We'd like to take a moment to remind our listeners that this episode of The Daily Diagnosis includes topics involving suicide, suicide prevention, and gun safety. If you're looking to skip to certain parts of the podcast, that information can be found in our show notes below. Thank you. Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. Hosted by myself, Parker Shaw, and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Daily Diagnosis. We are back with Parker from the marketing team, and I'm joined by... Tim from the marketing team as well. And our special guest today is... I'm Dr. Curtis Wolf. And we're so happy to have Dr. Curtis Wolf with us today. Um, Dr. Wolf, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in practice and been oh, at Ogden Clinic? Yeah. Um, I uh, started uh, practice about 17 years ago. I did my residency here at uh, McKay D oh, in really? Ogden. So I've been in the area for 20 years. Um, I just moved to Ogden Clinic actually this January. Oh, perfect. Uh, so. Awesome. So you're family medicine, right? Family medicine. And see a little bit of everything, I'm sure, with that, Yep, correct? it's just enough to... <laughs> to uh, keep me interested and keep patients interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So. That's awesome. So you were telling us before we start re- recording that you're from, originally from Mesa or Arizona uh-huh. area, right? Yeah. Perfect. And when did you move to Utah? I moved to Utah for residency. I did uh, medical school down in Texas. Okay. Uh, in San Antonio. Nice. University of Texas Health Science Center down there. Okay. And was lucky enough to get to come up here to to Ogden for my residency and I love it met somebody married him and stuck around hey that's a good enough reason so, to stay right yeah <laughs> that's great so what's something you like to do outside of your practice oh we sp- I spend a lot of time with my family I've got two kids a daughter that's 16 a son that's 12 I play the guitar a little I read a little we spend some time outdoors hiking and things like that that's great. So a little side note, I don't know if you guys have, have followed our episodes on Facebook and YouTube called The Scope, but Dr. Wolf has an awesome hepatitis song. Me and Tim were oh. kind of talking about it, and we, we should have had you bring your guitar and do it live. I mean, that would have been really cool, but if you haven't well, you checked it out. You can catch it out. Yeah, you can see it there. Everybody from Arizona knows that. Everybody in Arizona that grew up in the 70s and 80s knows that song, <laughs> guaranteed. As they, as they so. should, right? <laughs> so how long have you playing, been playing the guitar? I I guess I started playing it when I was in uh, junior high and uh, just kind of played around with it. I'm not really that, that good. But like to, it keeps you well-rounded, yeah. right? That's cool. <laughs> Perfect. Dr. Wolf, there are so many specialties in medicine. What made you choose family medicine? Well, um, interesting. You know, when I, I went to Arizona State University and I majored in psychology, and I was actually planning on being a clinical psychologist. Uh, but then I decided that maybe I'd give medical school a try, and I thought maybe I'd do, a, do psychiatry. Right. But I, once I got to medical school, once again, my ADD kind of kicked in, and I realized <laughs> I wanted to do kind of more than just one thing. I, I, I liked uh, mental health things, but I realized that I could get a lot of that in family medicine and actually uh, see a lot of other things too. So right. that's how I ended up doing family medicine. What, what proportion or percentage do you think of your patients that you see um, come to see you regarding, I don't know, depression or anxiety or, or other mental situations? You know, I, it's kind of hard to quantify, but actually a lot, a lot more than people think. 
you know, we are underserved here in Utah as far as psychiatrists and counselors. And so usually the first people people are going to come to with mental health problems is going to be their primary care physician. So Interesting. I, a day, day does not go by that I don't see somebody for depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. You know, in back in the day before I practiced, I think that was probably pretty rare. I don't think a lot of uh, general doctors did a lot of uh, mental health things, but I think that's changed back in the 80s when SSRIs uh, um, like Prozac and uh, such came out and it was safer to do. A lot of more primary care doctors were doing a lot more mental health than, than a lot of people think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's really interesting. So we were talking about before we started recording how um, on our Instagram and Facebook, how we had asked for podcast ideas and how mental health was such uh, probably number one in of the requests of our audience. And I think now more than ever, I don't know if it's just um, becoming more aware or if there's just a, a greater need, but I feel like mental health is such a prevalent topic in today's mm-hmm. society. Do you feel like in the last, I don't know, since you've been in practice that it's been something that you've been seeing more and more of? I think I see about the same amount. Right. Um, statistically speaking, it's I mean, suicide has become a bigger problem in the last uh, few decades. Definitely. And uh, we don't know exactly the reason for that, mm-hmm. but it's definitely becoming a bigger problem all across the United States. Utah has a higher rate of suicide than the national average. We're not number one, which is good, but it's still not good. Not we good are, to be on that map. We're not, we are high Yeah. Uh, as far as the United States goes. Dr. Wolf, what can you tell us about suicide from a doctor's perspective? Well, let me first of all um, start off with maybe some, some misconceptions about suicide in the United States. For example, what would you guys guess? would be who what sex would you think would be more likely to commit suicide male or female from from my from I'm my putting you on the spot I yeah. think I would I would assume male okay well you're right okay I think a lot of people think well females you know uh, more emotional more likely to mm-hmm. but no it actually is males okay are more likely to commit suicide what age group do you guys think would be the most likely to commit suicide? So I feel like I have the upper hand because I've been <laughs> I've uh, been preparing okay. some um, men's health awareness month okay. for in is in November and we've been preparing some stuff for that. But I think it's a uh, middle aged men, correct? It's middle aged men. We hear a lot about adolescents, and it's tragic when an adolescent kills themselves, but. Uh, but it's actually middle-aged men yeah. are the most likely to kill themselves. And as a middle-aged man, you know, I think we're kind of overlooked there. Yeah. You know, it's actually kind of tragic that we, we focus uh, a lot on the adolescents right. committing suicide, which is absolutely tragic. But somehow, you know, I don't know if they just think middle-aged men that we're kind of uh, expendable. But uh, we are the ones that are uh, most at risk. And I I think we we kind of have some, maybe we'll be able to talk about maybe some of the reasons for that. But uh, yeah, middle-aged men. I don't expect there to be a task force force on suicides in middle-aged men like we have for, for adolescents. So Yeah, if I were to guess, I would have guessed 20s, late 20s yeah. or, or, yeah. or mid-30s. 
I wanted to ask you, I mean, you mentioned there's some reasoning possibly behind while why men, middle-aged men are yeah. in that large, the largest group of being affected by suicide. What are some of those reasons? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I've been at a loss about this. I've been thinking about it for quite a while. You know, like I was just saying, we have made really good improvements in mental health. We have good uh, proven cognitive behavioral therapy that helps people. We have medications that have been shown to work. And so why is the suicide rate in the United States going up? Right. I don't know that we have an exact answer for that. Um, but, uh, and that there are a lot of theories about it, you know, the internet, uh, you know, the be being more isolated as a society. What, what is really kind of been, you know, of concern to me being here in Utah is that the, the suicide rate in Utah, once again, like I said, is above the national average. It's going up higher than other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a lot of uh, speculation about what might be causing that. Um, actually, just recently, suicide for adolescents has surpassed uh, motor vehicle accidents as the number one cause of death for adolescents in wow. Utah. That's astonishing. That is devastating. And now, of course, whenever Utah is an outlier, people start, in any statistic, people start pointing fingers and that's usually not very productive, in my opinion. Right. You know, they always they blame the culture, they blame the predominant religion, they blame intolerance yeah. and things like that, none of which really has ever been proven. I did go to a conference put on by Intermountain just a few weeks ago that kind of gave me some insight on, on this, some facts about suicides, uh, Utah's suicide rate. It is higher than the national average, but it's not that much different than the other intermountain states around us. In, mm -hmm. in other words, we're not that much different than Wyoming, Montana, Nevada, I think also had a pretty high one. Another thing is suicide attempts in Utah are not actually different than the national average. Mm -hmm. So the suicide rate for Utah, the suicide attempt rate for Utah is about the same as New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the attempts of suicide are not that much different, almost across the board. Mm -hmm. So um, what is interesting is when you compare, and this is pro what we probably need to be focusing on more, is that completed suicides are higher in mm -hmm. Utah and in other mountain states and in other high gun ownership states. Interesting things. Um, suicide rates in high gun ownership states are almost double those compared to states that don't have high gun ownership rates. Interesting. Uh, the non-gun suicide rates in these states are about the same. Yeah. So pretty much you could make a case that most, if not all, of the difference between the Intermountain states, including Utah, and uh, other places are access to guns, hmm. which, uh, you know, brings up a whole lot of uh, political debate, I'm sure. <laughs> right. But yeah. uh, most people who attempt suicide are unsuccessful, and the, the ones who are unsuccessful don't usually go on to commit suicide later on. But if the first attempt to commit suicide 
is with a gun, your attempt is likely, 90% likely to be successful. Right. Yeah. What, I mean, I don't have the numbers sure. for this, but the suicide attempt rate for men and women are actually about the same, but successful suicides for men, and why would that be? Who has access to the gun? Yeah, right. right? Probably the most important thing, the takeaway from, from this is trying to increase time and distance between the individual that's having suicidal thoughts and lethal means. Okay. So when my patient tells me that they're even considering suicide, one of the first things I ask them is, do you have any guns at home? And uh, if you do, can you get them out of the house if it's an adult? You know, if it's an adult, can you temporarily get this gun out of your house? I've had friends that, uh, that have called me with problems, and that's the first thing I've had them do. Go take, go take the gun and take it to our other friend's house. Just let them keep it there for a while. Just putting that space between them. Definitely. And what medications do you have in the house? Is there somebody else at the house that can be in charge of the medications? If you can do that, uh, then you can prevent a lot of suicides. Another interesting thing that I learned at this conference is they asked adolescents who had attempted suicide the time between their thinking about committing suicide and actually the attempt. How long would you guys guess? Oh, geez. A few months? I'd say a few days. Ten minutes. Fifty percent of them, wow. it was ten minutes. So it's very, minutes. like a very, like, rash. I don't it know, is, like quick decision it is a quick decision 10 minutes 50 percent of them said between the time that they thought of it and the time that they attempted it it was 10 minutes another uh 25 percent of them said it was 20 minutes wow. so 75 percent of at least these kids that are attempting suicide it is not something that they've been thinking of you don't have a whole lot of time you don't have two months to work with them yeah, yeah. you don't have a, a few weeks to work with them you have minutes. And so that's why, I mean, I'm a gun owner. I have, I have guns in my house. But just the safe storage and making sure that, you know, kids uh, don't have access to them mm-hmm. is pretty important. Yeah. More important than, than a lot of people know. 60% of adolescents uh, reported that they knew where their parents' hidden guns were. Not locked, but they knew where their guns were hidden. It's not probably enough to just have them under the mattress or have them up on a shelf and thinking that the kids don't know where they are. A lot of them do. Yeah. So, so from a doctor's perspective, what advice would you give somebody who is maybe observing uh, depression from like seeing somebody like in their family or a loved one that is suffering from that? What would you help advise them to do? And then as a second part to that question, if Someone who was potentially listening to this as an audience member, what advice would you give them if they're depressed? Well, first of all, get help. There is, there is help and there is hope uh, for people. The, the, one of the biggest uh, risks for suicide is feelings of hopelessness. So if you are to the point where you're not feeling hope, there is hope. You can get help. There is, there is help for you. Um, and... Uh, you know, if you're to the point where you're thinking about committing suicide, you really owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do everything for that, including even going to getting admitting to the hospital or even there is shock therapy. If all medications have failed, there are other things that they can do. 
So f- maybe from an outsider's perspective, if you notice somebody that you love, uh, a brother, a sister, a cousin that mm-hmm. I know is struggling, that I'm worried about, what would you suggest that they do if I maybe think that they're considering taking their life? Well, if somebody is, if you really think that they're considering suicide, I consider somebody who is considering suicide as much as an, of an emergency as somebody who I know has heart disease who's having chest pain. I mean, one of the toughest things that I have to do in my practice is when somebody comes in, when somebody comes in and even mentions the word suicide, we have to take it seriously. We have some tools or something called the uh, Columbia Suicide uh, Risk Assessment that I have people go through and it talks about, well, are you considering suicide? Have you made plans to commit suicide? Uh, Have you started to you know, get the pills together, uh, get a gun for this. And if they're at that point, you know, I, my hands are tied. I have to probably send them someplace where they're safe. And I've had patients really upset with me. You know, they came to me and said, here, I wanted help. And you're sending me to the hospital where I don't want to go. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's their safety is the, of, uh, my main concern. And so sometimes it does involve, you know, being in the hospital for a little while. And if you have a loved one that you're really thinking about it, that you think might be considering suicide, you need to take it seriously. Uh, a lot of people who end up committing suicide have had previous attempts and have had previous gestures. And so you can't blow it off. Interesting. You really do have to take it seriously every time. Awesome. So I do want to add that there may be people listening today that do need help or are looking or are feeling lost or feeling in that really deep, dark place. We just want to add that there is 24-7 access to a statewide crisis line, which you can call, like I said, 24-7 at 801-587-3000. I'm going to say that again, 801-587-3000. Or you can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273 talk. There's also suicide prevention available online at www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. On that website, trained consultants will provide free and confidential crisis counseling to anyone in need. So if you are feeling like there's nobody within your close proximity that you can talk to or you're feeling alone, know that there are always people that are there and available to talk, especially through these resources that we mentioned. Well, Dr. Wolf, thank you so much for coming and sharing some of that knowledge that you were able to learn with us and with our audience today. Um, We know that suicide is kind of a heavy topic, but such an important one to talk about. Um, I think, you know, we're always mentioning ending the stigma and, you know, talking about these things that can sometimes be hard and heavy, but really just I feel like with the more awareness that is out there, we're able to hopefully see a decrease in, in these numbers that we have, especially in our state of Utah. And to everybody who's out there listening today, thank you for tuning in and listening to us today on The The Daily Daily Diagnosis. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you would like to find more information about Ogden Clinic, our providers or locations, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. If you're listening today from Apple Podcast app, make sure you leave us a review or subscribe so you can receive more information about the different episodes that we post. We love getting feedback from our audience, so those reviews are priceless to us. If you also would like to shout us out on social media, our Instagram handle is at Ogden Clinic. 
You can also send us a DM if there's a topic that you would like our providers to cover, and we really look forward to hearing from you. We post episodes weekly, so tune in next week, and we can't wait to be with you again. Have a great week.